This week, it's all about an October review of Destiny 2. Velask, Guardians, I greet you in the light. Welcome back to Gamer Loop Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Verita Amore. October has gone by quickly with lots of candy, haunted lost sectors, and some prehistoric armor ornaments. Today, we're going to recap all of the events and noteworthy news from the month of October for Destiny 2's Season of the Lost. First and foremost on the list is the Destiny Content Vault update. Uh, now, I know a lot of you newer Guardians are not necessarily familiar with the Content Vault, so I want to talk a little bit about what that means, uh, essentially the TLDR of the Destiny Content Vault, and what exactly is hitting that vault this year. So first of all, the why. Why does Destiny need a Content Vault? This is directly from the Destiny Content Vault post Bungie put out uh, when the first vaulting occurred right before Beyond Light. Essentially, the reasoning is a couple main points. First of all, Destiny 2 is too large to efficiently update and maintain. The size and complexity of the game are contributing to more bugs and less innovation. And so instead of building Destiny 3 and leaving Destiny 2 behind each year, Bungie will cycle older, less actively played content out of the live game and into the Destiny content vault. This will allow Bungie to add and support Destiny 2 for years, including the three new annual expansions, Beyond Light, which we already have, Witch Queen, coming in February of next year, and Lightfall. Additionally, the Destiny Content Vault will include all content from Destiny 1 and anything that cycles out from Destiny 2. Bungie will periodically bring back or unvault activity uh, and destination content from the, the Content Vault each year, which started with Year 4 with the Cosmodrome, Three Strikes, and Vault of Glass. So coming up with the vault and what to expect next, uh, in addition to brand new content coming with Witch Queen, Bungie is bringing a carefully curated selection of content out of the vault for uh, the Witch Queen expansion, which will include a classic raid, which we are all, I think, secretly hoping is King's Fall, two PvP maps from Destiny 2, and one classic PvP map from the original Destiny. So as far as vaulting in year five is concerned, Starting on February 22nd, the Forsaken Campaign and the Tangled Shore Destination will enter the Destiny Content Vault. It's important to note the Dreaming City will still be available. And in addition to the Forsaken Campaign and Tangled Shore, both the Presage and Harbinger exotic missions will be vaulted as well. So what does this mean? Vaulting this content will allow Bungie the space to launch the Witch Queen expansion and its new Throne World destination, as well as new features such as weapon crafting, the new legendary difficulty campaign option, the new glaive weapon archetype, plus all of the additional content Bungie has planned for the four new seasons to come. Certain Year 4 content will persist in Year 5, however, specifically the Proving Ground Strike and Battlegrounds activity will remain, and starting in February, the existing Battlegrounds will be combined with strikes into a new Vanguard Operations playlist that will be free for all players. The Warden of Nothing strike will remain in the game and will be available to players for free as well. 
Also, Spider's currency exchange function will be taken over by Master Rahul in the tower. Bets on whether or not Spider bites the dust or escapes Petra's knife? We'll have to see what happens. It is also worth noting that the Forsaken campaign will be available free to play for all players from December 7th until it enters the Destiny Content Vault on February 22nd, 2022. Additionally, Bungie is going to begin offering the Forsaken Pack starting on December 7th. The Forsaken Pack will be available for purchase and will include access to the Last Wish Raid and the Shattered Throne Dungeon, as well as access to all of the Forsaken exotics. This pack will include three Forsaken ciphers that can be used to instantly unlock your choice of Forsaken exotics, not including raid and dungeon exotics, via the exotic kiosk in the tower. Everyone who has previously purchased Forsaken will automatically own the new Forsaken pack and will receive three Forsaken ciphers directly in their inventory. If you already have every Forsaken exotic, however, those ciphers will be converted to Ascendant Shards. Gotta say, not complaining, I'm all out of Ascendant Shards. As a seasoned Destiny player, I have to say that this is a really nice thing for Bungie to do right before they vault this content. I think that Forsaken really started to set the tone for a lot of the events that we're starting to see in Destiny in the story right now. In addition, it's arguably one of the best storylines in the game, uh, albeit a little bit sad, but still very, very good and very impactful. Um, so I highly, highly recommend my my fellow listeners to give Forsaken a try, whether you play it for free or you end up buying the pack for the exotics uh, or both potentially, it's 100% worth it. Just my two cents there. Now we hop into the recap of the This Week at Bungie posts over the course of the month of October. Starting with the October 7th post, they begin with a brief recap of the Destiny Content Vault news from the previous week, a feature of the Calavera Shell for Festival of the Lost, and quite a few patch note updates. One of these updates I did mention in a previous podcast, but it is worth a reminder here. One of those patch note changes increases the drop rate for an adept nightfall weapon from a platinum Grandmaster Nightfall to 100%. While this will not guarantee perfect perk combinations on every drop, players may now expect to receive an adept reward when overcoming the challenge of Grandmasters, even on the hardest of weeks. This was a really welcome patch note to see, because it is one of the most frustrating things about running a GM, is getting all the way to the end and not getting anything from it especially given the fact that not one but two different weapons are options available for those drops at the end of a GM. For those of you who are aspiring to knock their first Grandmaster Nightfall out of the park, this is a great time to do it, to work your light level up to be that minimum, and to really crush it, especially because these rewards are now guaranteed. There were also a few changes made to the Corrupted Nightfall and Grandmaster, specifically reduced the knockback buff from Sadia's Durant's activity modifier on Nightfall difficulty from plus 40% knockback to plus 20% knockback, which may offer a few folks uh, the opportunity to actually complete the Grandmaster difficulty. Additionally, Bungie removed an Unstoppable Phalanx champion from the Ransack Ogre encounter. During that encounter, an Unstoppable Phalanx champion would spawn in the Ascendant Plane when the Ogre boss reached 50% health. That champion was easy to miss, and you couldn't backtrack there to defeat it once you killed the ogre, so that has since been removed. 
Next, we have our October 14th update, which kicks off with a few Festival of the Lost reminders about masks, candy, challenges, and triumphs. The Jurassic Green Pulse Rifle is being featured in Festival of the Lost with this year and rolls with a lot of fun perk combinations like Tunnel Vision and Dragonfly or Killing Wind and Multi-Kill Clip. Additionally, the Horror Story and Braytech Werewolf are available. 450 RPM auto rifles got a buff, so there's no better time to grab one. And a quick hint from Bungie here, keep rolls with Adrenaline Junkie, because an upcoming change will make this more relevant. As of this podcast recording, we have not received what that update is from Bungie yet, so keeping an eye out for those changes too. Bungie also included a couple reminders about the Shattered Realm Legendary difficulty and Astral Alignment Legendary modifiers. The Astral Alignment Legendary mode has quite a few modifiers attached to it. The recommended power is 1320, and there are weekly Taken rotating modifiers. Specifically, Denial, Taken Vandals summon their shields significantly more often, Epitaph, Taken Combatants generate Blight Geysers when defeated, and Empath, Enhanced Radar, and take increased damage from melee. There are also constant modifiers, specifically champions, overload, and unstoppable. It is also equipment locked and match game, meaning you need to make sure you have the appropriate elemental weapon to break those enemy shields. A few hotfix and known issue updates here as well, first of which being the Hawkmoon Paracausal Shot not getting bonus damage. Bungie cites that the temporary fix for this means you will once again lose the buff if you pull out your ghost on the final round. This will be fixed in a future update. There was also an issue fixed where the firing line perk was not giving the intended 20% damage buff, and bottom tree dawnblade igniting touch fixed an issue where all igniting touch detonations counted as melee damage. Rolling right into the October 21st update from Bungie, you guessed more information about Trials, specifically Trials of Osiris Freelance. This matchmaking node specifically is for solo players. No pre-made fire teams can utilize this mode. Trials reputation during this Trials Labs weekend for Freelance was also doubled. And a gentle reminder from Bungie was included that once you complete a full card, even if you have lost a game or two, your post-game rewards are increased. Enhancement Prisms, Ascendant Shards, and Trials Engrams have a chance to drop. Don't forget Guardians introduced that same week is a new seasonal weekly challenge. Win 20 rounds over the course of the weekend to be rewarded with Reed's Regret, XP, and Bright Dust. The reward for this weekly challenge does not change, so whether you completed it during the freelance week or completed it after that, you're still going to get a Reed's Regret. Bungie also threw in the costume contest information and some great pumpkin stencils. To round out this weekly update from Bungie, they wanted to make sure they had some information for us regarding the 30th anniversary event. The 30th anniversary release won't just have new content, but will have quality of life changes as well. A few examples they gave were a pass on Dune Marcher's Chain Lightning, aim assist tuning on Vex Mythoclast, which will help keep the weapon viable for PvE while addressing PvP concerns, fixing the pesky Valor Overflowing notifications that pop up at the worst possible moments, exotic weapon tuning, bug fixes, and much, much more, including a hint of a buff to Whisper of the Worm. Very exciting to see. The last update for the month of October from Bungie includes, you guessed it, more data around Trials of Osiris, and specifically this time, matchmaking. A quick data recap from prior weeks indicates that matchmaking times are consistent with past weeks, 
blowout rates dropped slightly week over week, and this is consistent with lower skilled players not playing as much, average hours played per player remains consistent across skill levels as well. Overall player counts went down each week, but that's expected during this portion of the season and is consistent with past trials and Iron Banner performance. Bungie still doesn't see any evidence of widespread flawless card resets to avoid the flawless pool. Less than 0.5% of cards played were reset while still flawless and above three wins. Even still, the impetus to do that should be removed starting this week, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. First, though, a little feedback around freelance. A little over 1 million games played in each playlist during the freelance weekend, with slightly more games played in the base Trials of Osiris playlist. Bungie still is not happy with the team balance, and they have noticed the solo playlist isn't doing a great job balancing two teams when there aren't any fire team mismatches. Interestingly enough, for Trials, it is currently just picking teams randomly. Bungie is going to look very carefully at how teams are selected over the next few weeks and hopefully have a better balance the next time Freelance rolls around. Also, and this is a note per Bungie, this is one of the downsides of not using skill-based matchmaking in Trials. In situations where skill would be helpful to balance out two teams of solo players, it isn't even a data point the system can look at. So as far as the future of Freelance is concerned, Bungie liked the overall outcome and vibe of the Freelance queue, and both playlists seem to have a viable amount of players. Bungie is still looking at running Freelance occasionally for the remainder of Season 15, but they are also still trying to determine what feels right. Long-term, Bungie is going to explore some single playlist solutions such as preferential matchmaking full fire teams against other full fire teams, solo and duo versus other solo and duo, etc. And now, Bungie gets right to the meat of the issue with some changes to the flawless pool. Some of the benefits of the flawless pool are raising overall match quality significantly and raising the win rate of solo players. However, a lot of those downsides outweigh the benefits. For players who struggle and manage to just barely go flawless, it is a steep cliff that then only plays against players who have already gone flawless that week. It also incentivizes behavior that is against what the mode is built for and the rewards it offers, such as resetting a flawless six-win card to keep getting easier matches even though you get worse rewards. It also creates social friction, where players need to decide between playing with their friends or playing for rewards. Not to mention the timing is awful for anyone that isn't in the Americas. Therefore, a new system is rolling out the weekend of October 29th. Whenever you match in trials, in addition to trying to match with people with the same number of card wins, you will also attempt to match with people who have roughly the same number of overall wins for the weekend. If you can't find anyone to match against, it will eventually expand out to find you a less similar match. This is also per Bungie for the PvP gods who go flawless 10 times a weekend, they will end up matching with other players who have, for example, 70 plus wins on their cards, no matter how they got them. For the average team who gets a lucky flawless in on Friday or Saturday on their first card, well, they will be matchmaking against other players with around 7 wins no matter how they got them. Bungie is hoping this will give us many of the benefits of the flawless pool system somewhat fairer matches without the significant downsides. Specifically, there should be no major inflection point where everything is smooth prior to a win, and then everything is overly challenging afterwards. While this allows Bungie to remove the flawless matchmaking pool, it does have a potential downside. Longer matchmaking times. Bungie thinks there is a reasonable trade-off here between match quality and matchmaking time. Average trials matchmaking times currently sit around 50 seconds, 
Over the next few weekends, Bungie is going to be looking at how much matchmaking time goes up and how it affects the match quality. I would also highly recommend reading through this TWAB post because there are a lot of really solid data points in here regarding matchmaking, match outcomes, and a few other data points in between. So if you're a data nerd like me, this is really great. Now we get into the known issue and hotfix updates from Bungie, specifically first and foremost, the dreaded rutabaga error. Recently, an exploit was discovered that allowed players to generate more orbs of power than intended when triggering certain supers. To prevent exploitation of this issue until a fix can be deployed later this year, players who experience extreme sustained frame rate issues in PvP environments may now encounter more frequent rutabaga errors. Some of these errors can be mitigated by not alt-tabbing or changing your video settings during matchmaking. Players who encounter this error while participating in PvP for reasons other than reproducing the orb generation issue should report the details of what they were doing to our dedicated help forum thread. A few other updates from the hotfix, specifically mini screebs will no longer sink below the ground in the Grandmaster Hollowed Lair Nightfall. Exploits for Telesto and Raiju's Harness have been fixed. These exotics have now been re-enabled in all activities. I think that maybe lasted all of half a day before someone else found something that Telesto could break. And Year 1 Faction, Raid, and Trials Armor Ornaments now correctly list class-specific synth weave as unlock options in the appearance screen. Another quick reminder from Bungie that as of that post, that is the final week of Festival of Lost. Festival of the Lost concludes at the weekly reset on November 2nd, and players should ensure they turn in their collected candy for rewards, redeem all manifested pages, and collect all available triumphs before it ends. And there you have it, Guardians. This has been your Destiny 2 Season of the Lost October update. Festival of the Lost comes to a close, and we enter a period of some quiet time before the 30th anniversary and the return of Gallarhorn is upon us. Take some time to knock out those quests that have been sitting in your inventory for a while. Still not at 1330? Knock out some pinnacles and some bounties. Take a look at your triumphs and see how close you are to achieving a seal or two. There are so many options for you to choose from, and now could not be a better time for you to knock those things out. Once again, I am your humble guardian host, Verita Amore, and if you are looking for more content and shenanigans from me, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under Verita Amore87. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcasting platform. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us, ask us questions, or tell us what you liked or what can be improved. Do you have any suggestions on topics or game reviews? Just give us a shout. You can find additional episodes of Gamer Loop Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Roger, zero, J, J, J. I feel fine, fine, fine. I have to be in orbit.